This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. As I said a couple of weeks ago, we're going to treat this studio as the house of God. So let me welcome you to this service, and it's my prayer that the message and the music will be a blessing. I'm so glad you've joined us. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from Joshua chapter 7, 
and I'm going to read 12 verses. So would you hear, please, the reading of God's Word? But the Israelites broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. Then they returned to Joshua and said to him, Not all the people need to go up. About two or three thousand men should go up and attack Ai. Since there are so few, do not make the whole people toil up there. So about three thousand of the people went up there, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed about thirty-six of them, chasing them from outside the gate as far as Sherem, and killing them on the slope. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the ground on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Ah, Lord God, why have you brought this people across the Jordan at all? to hand us over to the Amorites so as to destroy us. Would that we had been content to settle beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say now that Israel has turned their backs to their enemies? The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. Why have you fallen upon your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I imposed on them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have acted deceitfully. And they have put them among their own belongings. Therefore the Israelites are unable to stand before their enemies. They turn their backs to their enemies because they have become a thing devoted for destruction among themselves. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for a moment of prayer? O oh God, your will be done, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It's in your name. Amen. All of us have felt defeated and discouraged. More than once we've spread our wings only to be shot down. Welcome to the club. I'm talking about the human race. This happens to all of us. Nobody is successful all the time. Now, most of us are aware that the great baseball player, Babe Ruth, hit 714 home runs. But how many of us are aware that he struck out 1,330 times? And most of us are aware of the success of the biblical character, Joshua. He took over from Moses and led the children of Israel successfully into the Promised Land. But what about his defeat? That's what our text is dealing with tonight. The mantle of leadership had fallen on Joshua. Moses was dead, and Joshua's time had come. The children of Israel had crossed the Jordan River, and the first city they came to was Jericho. They didn't have any problem with Jericho. As a matter of fact, the defeat of Jericho was set to music. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. So the people celebrated and rejoiced at the goodness of God and the great triumph they had achieved. And Joshua was congratulated all around. But the next city they came to was a smaller city, Ai. This looked very smaller 
than Jericho. No need to send the whole army there. Just a company of soldiers would do. Everybody else could take a day off. But tragically, the Israelites suffered a very humiliating defeat that day. Initially, 36 people were killed. But as they were being routed and fled away, many of them were slain. Now, Joshua didn't handle this situation very well. Oh, Lord, he cried, what can I say now that Israel has turned their backs to their enemies? Joshua was discouraged. He fell down on the ground, and along with the elders, he threw dust in the air, which is symbolic of the fact that they were mourning the great loss. But God didn't let Joshua wallow there very long. Stand up, God said. Why have you fallen on your face? He was saying, go out and search why you failed in the mission at Ai. As Elworth Callis put it, God wanted Joshua to let his defeat be his teacher. So the first thing I want to say is this. Defeat is inevitable. Defeat is inevitable. Today, millions of people are victimized by the success syndrome. I'm talking about men, women, and children in America. Everybody is pressurized to succeed. Winning is everything. And when we start thinking about failure or defeat, then we simply fall apart. The jobs of University of Georgia head coach Rick, Mark Rick and University of Mississippi head coach Houston Nutt are both up in the air. Why? Because of late, their teams haven't been winning enough. Yet because we are human, all of us suffer defeat or failure at some time or another. We suffer defeat in school, in business, in athletics, in our marriages, in our families, and our health. Right after my graduation from high school, I was one of the young people that was hired by Callaway Mills in LaGrange to work in one of the mills. They just gave us a job. And interestingly enough, they put me on the overhauling crew. That was interesting because I didn't know a hammer from a screwdriver, much less a number two pulley. At any rate, during that summer, I played in the mill softball league. And when tournament time came, because I was one of the youngest players, they put me on third base and made me a member of the Callaway All-Stars. So we started playing in the state tournament. The first team we played was Hogansville. It was an important game. And through the third inning, we were ahead 65. But then in the third inning, there was a liner smashed down the third base side, and I was playing third base, and I ran over and grabbed that ball, and I heard somebody say, nice catch, throw it. Well, I turned around, and rather than throwing it to first base, I threw it between first and second base into right field. And the errors began. I made the first error, and then just about everybody on the team made an error after error after error. Final score, Hogansville 21, Callaway All-Stars 6. I thought about that a lot. I've replayed that, wondering why in the world I never threw that ball to first base. I've got the point to I felt that I was the one that had lost that game. A few months back, a young man was captured by the police for robbing a bank. During the interrogation, one of the policemen said, why did you want to rob that bank? He said, I just wanted to be somebody. He said, you know, I had been without a job. I felt defeated. I didn't have any money. And I just got to thinking, if I had a little money in my pocket, I would feel like somebody. To be sure, some of our defeats are much worse than others.
But all of us in life know defeat. Sometimes we're defeated when we do our very best. Sometimes we're defeated because we don't do our best. And sometimes we're defeated simply because of the issues of life that crowd in upon us. Various losses, sickness, things like that. Moments of defeat. Hear me now. If we start out in life to accomplish anything, sooner or later we're going to experience defeat. But there's an old adage that's true, and it simply says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. When we dare to dream, we know that there can be some defeats along the way. If we choose to run for political office, we can always lose. If we prepare ourselves to be on the ball team, we can always lose. There's always that possibility of us losing if we play any game long enough. But that old adage is true, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I love this great quote. It's attributed to President Theodore Roosevelt. He said, in any moment of decision, the best you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. If we attempt to accomplish anything, it's always possible to be defeated. Yet it's better to make the attempt and be defeated than not make the attempt at all. Now, secondly, let's look at defeat. It has its causes. One of the best things we can do about defeat is to learn why we were defeated. A famous golf champion said he always learned from his defeats, never from his victories. Whenever he would lose in a golf tournament, he would go find a teacher. And he would ask this pro, what did I do wrong? Help me to get it correct. And so he would go out and he would not make that mistake again. Joshua and the leaders of Israel were prostrate with their grief. They were grieving over their defeat at the small city of Ai. To be sure, they had defeated the largest city of Jericho. They had done that, but they had lost with the small city of Ai. As a matter of fact, they had been routed and many lives had been lost. They needed to ask the question, why did this happen? Now, the causes of defeat are numerous. One of the causes of defeat is human beings. You know, human beings can bring us to the heights or they can bring us to the depths. There was a man in this story by the name of Achan. God clearly told all of his people that in these battles they were not to enrich themselves over the spoils of war. They were not to plunder they were not to do any of that sort of thing. But Achan, Achan got into a situation where he was tempted. When the walls came down, he was tempted and he succumbed to temptation. I want you to listen to how he put it in the word. And Achan answered Joshua, It is true, I am the one who sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, then I coveted them and took them. They now lie hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Human beings bring about defeat. And so I would say to you, choose carefully who you associate with. And then the lack of preparation can also cause defeat. If you'll think of this biblical story, these children of Israel under Joshua's leadership took care of Jericho. It was a much larger city. But when they started looking at Ai, they thought, this is just a little small city. We don't need to send all of our army. We'll just send a company or two and take care of it. The rest of us can take the day off. Well, what happened is they were taking the day off. They got overconfident. And the result was they were defeated. How many business deals 
are defeated because of ill preparedness? How many marriages break down because the partners spend more time preparing for the wedding, which lasts 20 minutes, than for the marriage, which lasts 20 times two years or longer? It's always a critical thing when we do not prepare ourselves for what is ahead. So lack of preparation causes defeat. And then defeatism causes defeat. Defeatism. Here are two men walking up the street. They meet another fellow. The fellow says to him, nice day, isn't it? And that fellow's passed. One of these others turns to the other one and says, what do you think he meant by that? Defeatism is sort of an attitude that people acquire when they try to handle all their burdens alone. The psalmist said, commit your way to the Lord. What he was saying was, roll over all your burdens, your hardships, your concerns, your cares. Roll those over to God. But you know, so many of us don't do that. And we pay a horrible price for it. You know, during a religious emphasis week at a state university, some students were discussing what had gone on. They were discussing their blessings, how great it was to be in that school. There was a new person there who was blind. And he was bitter. He said, I'll tell you what God has done. He's created this beautiful world, and he's closed my eyes. I think you can see that his burden was not his blindness, but his attitude. And then, back in the early 1900s, Thomas Edison's industries burned up. Sometimes we can learn from the opposite. His whole industry burned to the ground. He was 67. It was a little too late for him to be starting over. His son saw him standing there with his gray hair blowing in the wind. His son felt sorry for him. But while he was standing there, Edison said, Go get your mother. Bring her here. She'll see something she'll never see again in all her life. You see, that is opposite from defeatism. That is opposite from defeatism. And we all need to be more aware of committing our lives to God. It will help us to overcome our defeat. And then I'd like to say this, thirdly, defeat doesn't have to be fatal. There was a man who worked for a company that made a mistake that cost his company $1 million. He was pretty sure he was going to be fired. He was called in to see the boss, but the boss took a different approach. The boss said, do you know what the secret of making a million dollars is? It's making good decisions. Do you know what the secret of making good decisions is? It's making bad decisions and learning from them. He said, you know, I've invested a million dollars in you. I want you now to learn from your mistakes. We're told that there are two kinds of people in our society. They're the learners and the non-learners. The learners make mistakes, and they correct them. Non-learners make mistakes, and they keep right on making those mistakes. David Jeremiah actually mentioned some of the blessings of defeat. And I think it's interesting for us to go over these. Defeat teaches us to depend on God, and it does. Defeat teaches us humility. What better way to learn it? Defeat teaches us that we can't always get what we want. Defeat teaches us to make a correction in our course of action. Defeat teaches us character. Defeat teaches us perseverance. Defeat teaches us we can endure and survive. Now, all of this withstanding, how can we overcome our defeat? I would simply like for us to think seriously for a little while of how we can overcome defeat.
First of all, acknowledge what went wrong and own it. That's what Joshua and the children of Israel did. They acknowledged their defeat. They corrected the sin. They owned it. And they moved beyond it. Secondly, dedicate the defeat to God. You know, God has an interest in all our lives, including our defeats. Just because we're defeated doesn't separate us from God. We can dedicate our defeats to God. A man said in his marriage, it fell apart. He and his wife did everything he could to keep their marriage together. They really worked at it. They went to counselors. They prayed about it. They did all these things. But he said it still didn't make it. It was over. But he said he learned a lot of things from his defeat. He learned wisdom and patience and understanding and tolerance. And then he asked the question, would it be all right if I dedicate my defeat to God? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did with his shipwreck, with his persecution, with his thorn in the flesh. He simply dedicated all of it to God. Thirdly, forget the defeat and move on. Now, I know we cannot simply get our minds off the defeat, but we don't have to dwell on it. The Apostle Paul had the right idea. He used the word forget. Forgetting, he said. And Paul had a lot to forget. You remember, he persecuted the Christians. He held the clothes of the people who were throwing stones and crucifying Stephen. And so what did he say? His secret was forgetting. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press on. So forget your defeat and press on. And then finally, remember the promise of God. When Moses passed the mantle over to Joshua, you remember God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you, only be thou very strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. And what was it Paul said? He was speaking to us in the midst of our defeat. He said, what then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Knowing all of these things, he said, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our defeats can never separate us from the living God. The old minister phrased it like this. Dear Lord, we thank you for being with us during this difficult time. When Moses and the children of Israel were caught at the Red Sea, you didn't leave them over it or around it or under it. You led them through it. That's the same way God will do with our defeats. So God says to all of us, even in our defeats, especially in our defeats, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So, beloved, get a grip on defeat. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful again for your presence in our lives. We are thankful that when we are defeated, we can come to you and receive newness of life in every way. If we've done something that we are ashamed of, we can ask forgiveness. If we need more power, we can ask for that power. Whatever I need, we know that you are the all-sufficient God of this universe and of our lives. So be with us in every way, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Thank you again for loving us, forgiving us, guiding us, and empowering us. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this broadcast. Uh, remember, we'll be dealing with Get a Grip, and I hope you'll plan to be with us and pass the news of the program on to others. Will you do that? Have a good evening. Thank you.
out of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as Jesus paid it all. 